Hi, this is Ricardo Sanchez, and you're listening to Leaders in Worship Podcast. Welcome to the Leaders in Worship Podcast, where our purpose is to equip, connect, and develop leaders in the area of worship ministry. I'm your host, Matt Perkins, and I'm excited that you have taken the time to listen today. We have a great show. I had recently, uh, just in this past week, had the opportunity to interview Keith Getty. Keith is a modern hymn writer, uh, best known for writing the song In Christ Alone with Stuart Townend, and that song has impacted churches and lives around the globe. And we are excited that Keith took the time out of his schedule, where he is currently on tour. He's on a Christmas tour, Joy and Irish Christmas. And this tour is going to be in Orlando, where I serve as a worship pastor at Faith Assembly. And they are going to be in Orlando at the Bob Carr Performing Arts Theater. And that is just in a couple days. It's Saturday, December 15th. They have a limited number of tickets, so if you are in the Central Florida region, we encourage you, please check this out. You can find more information on their website at gettymusic.com, and uh, you can find out information on other dates that they are on tour. Hey, if you are listening through iTunes, and uh, if that's how you found us or um, you've been recommended, I would love it if you would just take a moment and leave us a starred rating and a review. I want to thank Starla, had just recently uh, left a review, and she writes, After graduating from college and starting my first ministry job a few months ago, I started listening to several different podcasts to help ease the learning curve. One of my responsibilities is leading worship every week for a new young adult ministry in my church, and I started listening to the Leaders in Worship podcast to shed some insight on the area of leadership. This podcast has been incredibly helpful and has been beneficial for a variety of areas within my ministry role. I recommend for every pastor, lay leader, or anyone responsible for a ministry in a church to make this one of your top five podcasts. It's always refreshing to listen to and gives my heart new insights, keeps me focused on why God has called me to ministry and the task that he has given me to do. Thank you so much, Starla, for taking the time and leaving us a starred rating and a review on iTunes. You can also find us on Stitcher Smart Radio. You can go to stitcher.com. I love listening to podcasts through Stitcher. If I want to just listen to a variety of topics, you can stream those uh, right through your app, whether it's Android or an iOS device, your iPad iPod, uh, iPhone, whatever it is that you use to listen to your podcasts, um, you can do that through Stitcher. You can go to iTunes and subscribe there. Uh, We want to thank you for listening, and we are excited about what is going on. Hey, this time of year can be really a little crazy for people involved in church ministry, Uh, If you're involved in worship ministry, there's probably programs involved, uh, things that you are doing, cramming, learning music, uh, getting ready for Christmas Eve services. 
Whatever it is that you are involved in, I just want to encourage you, take some time over the next couple days, find some quiet time that you can just focus on what the true meaning of Christmas. Yes, we know and we've taught it, we've sung about it, but take some time, open your Bible, read through the Scripture, read through Luke chapter 2, and just think about what the impact that is going on, that through Jesus Christ, how He has changed everything. And we have an opportunity to impact people's lives. People that haven't attended church for years might come at the result of an invitation to be in a church service. Don't neglect the opportunity and take it lightly, but be thankful and thank God for every time that we have to minister to people and share His message of life. Well, today we're going to go right into this interview with Keith Getty. I was able to uh, talk with him uh, via Skype uh, just a couple days ago, and the things that he has to share about leading worship, choosing songs for our worship, and what all goes into that, I think that you will find refreshing, uh, thought-provoking, and uh, I'm glad that you're listening today. Let's go right now to this interview with Keith Getty. Keith, I want to thank you for being on the Leaders in Worship podcast. Welcome. Thank you, sir. It's an honor to be It's an honor to be in the program today. One of the things that you have going on, and we're going to talk about some of the uh, songwriting and things that you are doing, but right now you are on a Christmas tour with Joy and Irish Christmas. Well, Joy and Irish Christmas began with my lifelong love for carols. I love the traditional carols for many reasons. I, I think they, they, they tell the gospel story so well, from Christ's birth all the way through. That's the good carols. They're great story songs. They're great songs of worship. They're also songs that had really, really high-quality music and poetry to them. They took the music of, of the finest folk melodies or melodies by Mendelssohn or Gustav Holst or Beethoven, and they combined them with the greatest poets of the generation, Charles Wesley, Christina Rossetti, Isaac Watts. And people who had you know, esteemed careers as poets and just created wonderful art. And so you've got rich theology, you've got timeless melodies that you get to sing, and you create these pieces of work that each generation can pass to the next generation. And to me, they are models of what worship music should be. So I love those, and I started to write some. And then we, just by coincidence, were asked to do a Celtic-style Christmas. So we, a one-off event three years ago, and so we put on this one-off event, and it just sort of spun out from there. And um, and then it, it just became, you know, it, it really created its own sales. And so we now have, it's now, it's not a concert show. It's doing, this year it's doing half churches and half concert halls around the country. And it's a celebration of Christ's birth with an Irish band. This year the, this year the twist is kind of Irish-American. So there's kind of a number of bluegrass players mixed in with the Irish players. There's Irish dance. There's readings. There's lots of chances to sing the traditional carols. And then you also get a little package of carols that you take home with you as well. So so it, it's a really wonderful evening for the whole community, but, but one which we hope is also relevant and, and, and refreshing for, for, for worship leaders too. Well, that is going to be great. I am looking forward to uh, this. You are going to be in Orlando, which is... Uh, where I'm a worship pastor here in Orlando, and so you're going to be at a performing arts theater uh, there, and it Both is a are. yes, and it's going to be a great time. So I am I am really looking forward to this. And 
one of the things when when you talk it is not just you know music is a it seems like to me in in hearing you talk and things that i've read um music is the vehicle but really uh, your ministry is about getting this message and theology into the church. Is that correct? Well, it's about creating hymns for the church. I'm I'm a very very boring hymn writer whose life is really about writing hymns. I I spend twelve weeks a year on the road, and really my, my primary goal is to introduce my and introduce Christianity to people through introducing these hymns. So I do eight weeks with a hymn tour, and then four weeks with the Christmas tour. Um, but 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 I would say, I would say. I, I don't see musical. I, I would say, in one sense, music is not the end goal. Correct. And certainly, with touring, touring is not the end goal, or, or fame, or money, or those things are not the end goal. Um, but, but, but I would say I do see music as part of the art form of songwriting. I think, I think a, a hymn or a song is, is a piece of art, and thus, thus the, the music is hugely important. Without, without great music, it doesn't matter how good your words are. Nobody's going to want to sing it, and they shouldn't want to exactly. sing it. Exactly. And they shouldn't want to sing it because it's bad art. It's it's not something that Christ delights in or God values. Uh, so 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 we want to we want to take what we do seriously um, from that point of view. What advice would you give to either established or new songwriters? Well, I think I think we try and serve the, the, the group that we're with, and we, we serve we serve the church that we're involved with, and and, and the and the people we're with. I I think songwriting is a lifelong. I think songwriting is a lifelong um, challenge that can serve the church. But I think primarily it's about serving the church. So if the best songs we have are not our songs, I don't think we should be forcing our songs on people. I think that's actually a form of, of self-centeredness and actually idolatry to do so. But at the same time, if the Lord has given us songs to use, our songwriting gift, then we work at it. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how gifted I am or I'm not songwriting. I do know that I moved to Nashville two years ago to write more. And I've recorded or written a manuscript that's over 800 melodies. And of those 800 melodies, 11 of them have become songs in two years. So I know how hard I work to get tiny, tiny results, you know. And um, so, so it's a, so it is. It's a, it's an art form that we work at, and we constantly want to be inspired and find out what's making us think fresh and think in new ways and think in oblong ways and think in fresh ways about things. But it's also something that we've got to work at all the time together. What would you say to worship leaders when they are looking for new songs? Well, I, um, I, think, I think there's several things I'd say. Uh, the first one is this, that the Bible takes what we sing in church extremely seriously. It's not enough to sing shallow songs because they're cool and because they're on the cool websites and because cool artists sing them. That is not enough of an excuse for us to feed our congregations with those things. Um, the Lord takes it so seriously, in fact, in Scripture, that um, that it says, teach these songs, and, and Deuteronomy says, teach these songs to the people so that they will be a witness against them one day should they turn away. In other words, what we sing influences how we think and how we pray and how we walk in our spiritual lives so deeply that it is actually the thing that would one day be judged to sit against us if we walked away. Um, so, so, so we, my old pastor, Alistair Begg, used to say, we stand every Sunday before congregations in quiet desperation. Let's give them something of substance that can fill them up. So I think, I think that each Sunday we have to make sure that the things that we're filling our congregations up are truths of God, not one single truth about God, like he delights and praises or he's all loving because he is much more than that. And the Bible 
lets us know he's much more than that. And the Psalms, the Bible's songbook, sings about much more than that. But we have to build people up, let the word of Christ dwell in them richly when they meet together, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Let's make sure it dwells richly in those songs. I think the second thing is, when we choose songs, we choose to serve a congregation. So in other words, the first thing we should be asking when we finish our worship leading time is, how did the congregation sing? Not, how did I play? Not not technically, did I take all the boxes? Not, how was my solos? How was my guitarist? How was my young backing vocal or my crazy drummer? The question <laughs> is, how did our congregation sing? And everybody in the band, from the drummer to the, to the, to the players, to the person doing the, the screens and the, the lyrics, should all be saying, did I do my job in a way that served our congregation to sing really well? And we can use so much. I find it very freeing because we can use so much creativity, but the creativity is all challenged in, in serving those people. Yeah. Um, and then thirdly, I do think I do think in the Bible that there's this constant principle of songs that we pass on. So it's great to have contemporary songs. I love contemporary songs. It's great to have organically written songs, and we should be writing songs within our community. But we also need to have a, a, a proportion of the songs we sing be songs that we can pass on generation to generation. My, my grandfather, when he had lost his mind with Alzheimer's, still knew great hymns of the faith because he sang them all his life. Yeah. And that can't, that can't happen if we only sing songs that, are, that, are, that sound like contemporary pop music because they won't be sounding like contemporary pop music in five to ten years' time and they go again. So, so I think there's a challenge to, as well as singing contemporary songs and as well as singing our own songs, is to sing songs that, that build us up and that are rich, rich in truth. Yeah, my background, I was, I was, raised, in, uh, I was raised in church, uh, both myself and my wife, mm. and I can, I can remember you know, singing, uh, singing different songs and, and hymns. And if you were to talk with a a new worship leader and and maybe they they don't have that history they don't have uh they weren't raised in a christian home and what advice would you give them you know whether it's going back and picking up an old hymnal or well i think i think all of us learn from the past whatever our subject is whatever the art form we study painters do not paint because they look out the world around them and they take a brush and they sketch they paint because they have studied the work of the great masters to help them understand how better they can look at the world around them and take a brush and paint. Mm. Um, even the theologians in our churches, if we look at the positive theological renaissance of the last 10, 20 years in America, that hasn't happened because men have said, I purely will study the Bible by myself and become more theological. They have been inspired by generations who've gone before us, preachers, reformers, academics, Puritans, all these kind of church fathers, people who they've learned from. And the arrogance of the modern worship movement, which says that I cannot learn from anybody who doesn't sound like the slightly out-of-date style that we have, which goes back to, say, 2005, if it's 2006, if you're a modern worship songwriter, or 2000, by year 2000, if you're listening to normal music, um, you know, is, is, is a peculiar one. And, and it just simply breeds a generation of people who, who are interested in the here and now, who are interested in the things that the here and now is interested in, um, and that are interested in only songs that we, we have for five years and are disposable. When we wrote In Christ Alone, 
we were told that modern hymns could never work. And they pointed out to the three main worshippers at the time, and that was two thousand years or thousand actually. And the three main worshippers now aren't even that well known. They're not they're not they're not in demand like like the like, like the like the crowd of guys now here or there. So it, it's a curious it's a curious it's a curious place we are in. Yeah. Um where we're where we're modeling where we're modeling an obsession for what is now. It's interesting, Tim Keller looks at it from the New York perspective and says that people come into my churches. He goes, uh, I want them to know that we're part of the historic Christian church. We're not part of a a a, a simple, you know, get sort of a, a simple contemporary fad or a cult. So we sing hymns that, that go back through the centuries. Um, as well as the fact that they're rich in theology, as well as the fact that they sing so well. You know when you're in a modern worship service and they suddenly actually sing a great hymn and suddenly the singing goes up by about 500%, you know, and yeah. then, or else, or else, and also, as well as the idea that the entire Reformation happened because two men, Martin Luther and John Calvin, believed in catechizing the church through, through teaching the scriptures and singing the scriptures. And so they believed that you, Part of part of the way you learned the scriptures was through the songs you sung, which is actually what was consistent with the church fathers and, and consistent with, with right back in the Old Testament how people learned their history. So so it's a new challenge for us to learn to learn the good of what's gone in the past and and to try and apply that to the modern church. Well, Keith, I want to thank you for taking the time today and. Uh, just being willing to talk with us on the Leaders in Worship podcast. I appreciate your your heart in building up the church through your songwriting, and your songs have been a true blessing to churches around the world, and I just want to say thank you, and uh, I'm looking forward to this upcoming tour. And uh, also, I want to encourage if please go to iTunes or your local Christian bookstore and pick up Keith and Kristen Getty's joy and Irish Christmas. You're going to love it, and it's going to be something that you can put on in your homes, in your church, and it will be a great addition. Thank you so much, Matt. It's an honor to be in your program. Well, I want to thank Keith for taking the time out of his schedule during this busy season and visiting with us. Uh, encourage you to go to gettymusic.com, and you can find out more about projects that they are doing, uh, tours that they have, also encourage you, if you're in the Central Florida region, to stop by the Bob Carr Performing Arts Theater on Saturday, December 15th. And they have a limited number of tickets that are still available. And if you go to their website, you can find out about other tour dates than what they have going on. Uh, they recently had a song that was in uh, Song Discoveries. Uh, sampler CDs. It was on number 105. It's the November and December issue that Worship Leader puts out this CD. And the song is track number three, Christ is Risen, He is Risen Indeed. That's by Keith and Kristen Getty. Hey, coming up this spring, we want you to know about the Consumed Worship Conference. I am so excited about this conference. This is the third year that we have done this conference, and we have different recording artists, songwriters, worship leaders that are a part of this, and also this year we have Brad Zimmerman, who is a church media guru, and he is going to be teaching sessions for this. This is going to be an incredible time. We have Jared Anderson is going to be with us. We have some other exciting artists that we will be announcing soon 
And so we want you to stay tuned to what we have going on for the Consumed Worship Conference. That's going to be at Faith Assembly on February 28th through March 2nd. So it's the end of February and the uh, first two days of March. It's a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We are excited. I can't wait to announce some of the upcoming details that we have for this conference. We've heard so many good reports of people that were just refreshed, energized, ready to go back to their churches and just serve well. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Leaders in Worship podcast. Make sure that you take the time, leave us a starred rating and review on iTunes if you could be so kind to do that. And uh, we hope to hear from you. Hey, if you would like to email me, you can reach me at matt at leadersinworship.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at leadersinworship.com. You can also visit our website and uh, please give us some feedback. If you have questions or ideas for upcoming shows, please leave us some information there and we'll be excited to get back with you. God bless and have a great day. Yeah,